Good afternoon, ladies. Uh, welcome to part three in the last series of the Eucharist. Next week, our topic will be on penance. And I think there are two parts also for this. So first, we'll talk about the real Eucharistic presence. So during the celebration of the Eucharist, the person of Christ becomes present. So the word made flesh was crucified, died, and rose from the for the salvation of the whole world in a mysterious, supernatural, and unique form of presence. So the source of this doctrine can be found when Christ instituted the Holy Eucharist during the Last Supper. So Christ is present in many ways in his church, in his words, in the Bible, in the faithful when they pray, and as what he said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. Now also the poor, the sick, and the imprisoned from what St. Matthews wrote on chapter 25 also in the sacraments and in the person of the ministerial priest. But above all, he's present in the Eucharistic process. So what makes the Eucharistic presence of Christ unique is the fact that the blessed sacrament really and substantially contains the body and blood, soul divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ that is of his entire humanity united to the divinity through hypostatic union through, through, through the appearance of bread and wine. Hence, the presence of the true body and true blood of Christ in this sacrament cannot be apprehended by senses, says St. Thomas Aquinas, but only by faith. And St. Thomas resounded this in his hymn, Adorote Devote, when it says, sight, touch, taste, in you fail, only hearing can be relied on. I believe whatever the God the Son says, there is no truer word than truth himself. So there was this homily that the priest said, no? They said that some of the people commented that going to Mass is so boring. But then, with the eyes of faith, we could see that the Mass is such an amazing event. So the transubstantiation. So Christ's real and substantial presence in the Eucharist requires an extraordinary supernatural and unique change. So this change is grounded in our Lord's clear words. Take it, this is my body. Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, found in Matthew chapter 26. So these words of consecration require that the bread and wine cease to be bread and wine and are consecrated into the body and blood of Christ. So the Holy Catholic Church has called this change transubstantiation. 
but the appearance of the bread and wine that is the Eucharistic species remain unaltered. Appearance of bread and wine still remain the same. So what are the properties of the Eucharistic presence? Christ's mode of presence in the Eucharist is a marvelous mystery. According to Catholic faith, Jesus is entirely present with his glorified body under each of the Eucharistic species. But it's not necessary to receive Holy Communion under the forms of both bread and wine. So if we receive under either form of bread or of wine, we receive the whole Jesus, complete and entire. Moreover, Jesus is present, whole and entire, in every part of every sacred host and in every drop contained in the consecrated chalice. So if the sacred host is divided, as the priest must divide the large host at Mass, then Jesus is wholly present in each of the divided parts. If a crumb were to drop from the sacred host or a drop were spilled from the chalice, Jesus would be present in that crumb and in that drop. So these are incidents when there are incidents when the sacred host is dropped by recipients. What you have to do is just have to retrieve the sacred host and consume it immediately. And it, to make sure that there is no particles because in every particle, Jesus is there. So in receiving Holy Communion, it's better to pause to receive and consume the sacred host. That is in receiving Holy Communion by the mouth. And in receiving by the hand, the recipient should sidestep, still facing the altar, and consume the sacred host. So, since our Lord is present in every part of the sacred host and in every drop of sacred, sacred blood, and, and in every drop of the consecrated chalice, the sacred linens have to be washed with care and respect once they have been used at, ma at Mass. So the sacred linen includes the following. First, we have the corporal. The corporal is the letter, it's, it's the corporal, it's upon which the sacred host and chalice dress during the Mass. So it's the big cloth, then upon which the host and the chalice dress during the Mass. Then the pole, it's the square linen, that's A which covers the chalice during mass. And then the purificator, the linen cloth with which the priest wipes his lips, purificator is B, which the priest wipes with his lips after consuming the precious blood and which he dries the chalice after washing out the chalice with wine and water, which the priest drinks. You know, I have the privilege of taking care of the oratories in the different centers of Stihi here in Chicago. So I make sure that the sacred linens are washed carefully with respect. So the linens have to be soaked for at least 10 minutes to allow all crumbs and remnants of the precious body and blood of Christ to dissolve into the water. So during the pre-soak and removal, removal of the linens from the pre-soaked water, extra care is needed not to spill or splash this water around. So additionally, this water must be poured out onto the ground earth, not to any sewerage system. So we go to the Eucharistic worship. Faith in Christ's real presence in the 
in the Eucharist has led the church to offer adoration to the Blessed Sacrament, both during the liturgy of the Mass and also outside the celebration of the Mass, preserving the consecrated host with the utmost care in the tabernacle. So St. Jose Maria taught us to put our whole heart into our, into our faith in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, so that our Lord will truly enter into our life and we into his. Thus, we look at him and contemplate him with the eyes of faith as a person who is really present. He sees us, he hears us, he awaits us, he speaks to us, he draws close to us and seeks us out. Our adoration of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, since he is God, includes both external gestures and internal devotion of love. What are the external signs of adoration? So first, bowing our head or body, genuflecting, prostrating ourselves, are always intended to express reverence and affection, submission, total self-abandonment, and a desire for union and service. St. Josemaria said, how worthy everyone is, is nowadays in their dealings with God. Don't you rush, don't make a contortion of your body that is a mockery instead of a pious genuflection. Make a genuflection like this, slowly, reverently, well made. So our father, St. Jose Maria, gave even more importance to the interior attitude of love. We should tell our Lord over and over again that we love and adore him by our deeds of submission and obedience of his will. Reasons for reserving the Blessed Sacrament in the Tabernacle. Principally, to be able to give Holy Communion to the sick and the other faithful who cannot go to Mass, so that the Church can offer adoration to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, especially in benediction, solemnity of the Corpus Christi, so that we could make frequent visits to our Lord. So let us be generous with our time in going to meet Him. Jesus has remained in the Eucharist to remedy our weaknesses, our doubts, our fears, our anxieties, to cure our loneliness, our perplexity, our discouragement, <clears throat> to confidence on our way to uphold us in our struggle. Above all, he is there to teach us to love, to draw us to his love. So there are two great liturgical feasts on which this sacred mystery is celebrated. First, we have the Holy Thursday, which is the institution of the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Order. Then we have the Corpus Christi, Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ. The Eucharist Paschal Banquet of the Church. Why? Because Christ makes present his Passover, his passing from this world to the Father through his passion, death, and resurrection and gives us his body and blood offered as food and drink, uniting us to himself and to each other in his sacrifice. So Holy Communion forms part of the basic structure of the Eucharistic celebration. Only when we receive, when we receive Christ as the food of eternal life, we become one with him, thus carrying out the deepest meaning of the sacrament. Necessity of Holy Communion, just as natural food gives us a life and gives us strength to this world, 
the Eucharist strengthens us in us the life of Christ, which we receive in baptism, and gives strength to be faithful to our Lord on this earth. The Eucharistic ministers, they are ordinary ministers of the Holy Communion. Who are the ordinary ministers of the Holy Communion? So we have the bishop, the priest, and the deacon or the acolyte. Other members of the faithful to whom the diocese has given faculty of distributing communion. It is not licit for the faithful to take by themselves and still less to hand one to another to the sacred host of, or the sacred chalice. So Holy Communion has the value of sacred sign, a sign that should make clear that the Eucharist is a gift from God to man. Hence, under the normal conditions when the Eucharist is, dis is distributed, there should be a distinction between the minister who distributes God's gifts offered by Christ himself and the subject who receives it with gratitude, faith, and love. What are our dispositions to receive Holy Communion? First, what is the disposition of our soul? So we should be in a state of grave. grace. So anyone with a grave sin on their conscience, however contrite they may be, must first go to confession before communion. So what is the disposition of the body? So the church prescribes an hour fast abstaining from all food and drink except to water and medicines. So we should also pay attention to personal grooming, such as a suitable manner of dress. The tra traditional way of receiving Holy Communion in the Latin rite is kneeling and on the tongue or by mouth, or standing or to receive the sacred tools by the hand. What is the age and preparation for First Communion? So the age of reason to be prepared for properly after sacramental confession, usually at the age of six, is what they say. So what are the effects of the Holy Communion? So through Holy Communion, God makes us grow in grace and virtue. Pardons are venial sins and temporal punishment due to them. It preserves us from mortal sins. Help us persevere in doing good draws us closer to God, draws all Christian faithful, faithful into unity with the Lord, bringing about the unity of the church. So having passed from this world to the Father, Christ gives us in the Eucharist the pledge of glory with him. So participation of the holy sacrifice identifies us with his heart, sustains our strength along with pilgrimage of life, make us long for eternal life, unites us even more to the church in heaven, the Blessed Virgin, Mary, St. Joseph, the angels, and all saints. So the past 25 years, there are five incredible Eucharistic miracles. One of them, I'll give you an example, one of, one of the five, one of them is being in Argentina. So there was this compre comprehensive study was done in 1996 in Argentina. No? The whole began bleeding when the consecrated and part of it became human tissues. After several intense studies, it was found that the tissue was part of a heart 
a muscle of the myocardium, the left ventricles. This is the muscle that gives life to the whole heart and body. So the tissue revealed further that it belonged to a person who had gone through intense pain and should have died, yet still showed sign of being alive. So the interesting fact is that the archbishop who commissioned the research was none other than the now Pope Francis. Adorati Devote is a Eucharistic hymn written by St. Thomas Aquinas. For finale, I would like you to listen to this hymn. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Tot un mundo.